go. John chapter 4 and verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right. If you're not there, it should be on your screen over your head or over my head. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea, departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. With your attention and the help of the Lord for the next few moments, I'd like to preach, take off the mask. Can we? It is creepy, isn't it? The moment I saw it, I thought to myself, that's perfect. That's perfect. Can we set our Bibles to the side, your devices to the side? Why don't you link arms with somebody next to you if it's appropriate? Lift your hands in the air together and let's magnify the name of the Lord one more time in this place and ask him to do his perfect will. Jesus, uh, I love you and I worship you. I, I praise you, Lord. I believe, God, uh, in what you're doing in this city. I believe in what you're doing in this region. Uh, I believe that your love has filled uh, this room today, God, and your power is going to move. Your power is going to be demonstrated all across this auditorium uh, in the name name of Jesus, I pray. Let's clap our hands to the Lord together. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord uh, with a voice of triumph. Uh, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I do want to make one thing clear from the outset. This is not a political sermon. So before you call the IRS and tell them that some yahoo at the Jesus Church is preaching about politics, that is not what this is. One of the more interesting aspects of this wonderful year that we're all living in has been to watch the great mask debate begin to unfold all across the country. States and municipalities are setting in place mandates that require citizens to wear a facial covering in every area in all public spaces. There are even some states that are suggesting and requiring that you wear one within the confines of your own home. College dormitories are recommending that students wear a face mask at all times. Can you think of something more uncomfortable than wearing a face mask in your own dorm room. I read a story just this week about school children returning to high school in Utah. And they had a picture of what band class was now going to look like in Utah. All of the band students were seated six feet apart in their chairs because social distancing. And all of the band students had a mask covering their mouths. And a slit in the mask through which they played their instrument. And then, on the end of the instrument, you guessed it, another mask. They were covering their mouths, cutting a hole in it, playing through the instrument, and then trying 
to mask that as well. As is often the case, both sides have gone way too far. There has been overreach, yes, but there has been backlash and there has been too much too far. Both sides are claiming to be the greater patriot. Both sides are engaging in violent confrontations that have been recorded. You can go onto YouTube and go onto social media if you want to see them where people have been beaten and yea, even killed over a mask debate. Who would have ever thought As we rounded the end of 2019 and careened into this year of 2020 vision where we're all fired up about what's going on, that a mask would become a flashpoint in this country. It seems like the mask is the great divide and it's it's that thing that separates this group from that group and this faction from that faction. Again, it's not political, but if we think it's going to get any better, we've got an election coming up and then shortly after that, there's a vaccine that's going to show up on the scenes and now we're going to be yelling at each other about that. We're going to be facing all of that that's going on. Now, I'm not preaching against masks, I promise. If you're wearing a mask and you want to wear it, you need to wear it. I wear a mask. When I go and work at the clinic, I put one on. I have to put one on for every single patient. In fact, since I left the state a couple of weeks ago and I went back to the clinic, I had to wear one 24-7 when I was there. It's an, it's an N95. By the way, if you're ever going to wear an N95, make sure you're like clean shaven because it itches like the dickens when you have to wear it for an eight-hour shift and you're smelling your own breath. It's bad, I promise. But if you want to wear it, wear it. If you don't want to wear it, don't wear it. That's fine. We have that freedom. We have that place in this country. We have that place in this church. If you're ever interested in a perspective on how believers should respond to political circumstances and how we should interact with this world in contentious political debates and views, go read 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul's talking about slaves and owners and telling slaves and masters to get along inside the church. Why? Not because he believed that men had a right to own other men, but that the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel would be far more important than it being reduced to a slave debate. The church doesn't need to be in the debate about masks. We need to be in the business of declaring the gospel. We need to be in the business of elevating the name of Jesus Christ. And so that's how we ought to act. Now, masks at their core, they serve one purpose. It's to protect. And as I've mentioned, I've worn those masks when working in healthcare. Before I moved to Watertown, I wore N95 masks while working with tuberculosis patients. And it's, believe me, when you know somebody's got tuberculosis, you're pretty thankful for a mask that you can wear that's protecting you. I've worn surgical masks in the operating room and in the recovery room. And you're you're stopping stuff that would come out of your mouth into a sterile atmosphere from contaminating a vulnerable person. Welders wear masks and shields to cover their eyes and cover their face and protect them from not only the light, but the sparks and everything that would flash back at them. In South Dakota, we wear masks simply to protect ourselves from the ridiculous weather and the winter cold that we're in. Now, thank God for no shave November, but there's nothing like pulling on a face mask when that windshield is 20 below and it's, it's fighting and it's pushing against you. 
Even when we're putting them on as a disguise, masks serve to protect the identity of the wearer. There is a legit need for masks. I promise you we're going somewhere. We're nowhere near our text, but we're going somewhere. I was once painting with a friend of mine, uh, Jason Miller, Nathan's brother. And there was a young lady in the youth group in the church in West Fargo. Her hood had rusted. All the paint had come off and her hood was starting to rust. And so we sanded it down. We taped it off. We were at Nate's parents' house. And we, we taped it off. We sanded it down. She had bought full chrome silver paint. She wanted her hood to be like full chrome, which is a horrible idea. Sunlight would be reflecting right into her eyes. But she was already, well, let's not go there. She could potentially see this. So we were painting the hood. And, man, we were doing a good job. We had detailed it. We'd sanded it all the way down. We'd sprayed on layer gently after layer. We let it dry. And Nate's parents came home, our current pastor at the time, and they found us in that garage. And we were, we were having a great time. We were laughing. We were giggling. We were just enjoying life. And they walked in the garage and said, Oh, stinks like paint in here. And we're like, Oh, yeah, that's probably a good point. And so they said, you guys got to open a window. And we're just laughing and having a great time. And so they open the screen of the window and they put a box fan in the window and they turn it on. And within seconds, the screen was spray painted silver. There was that much paint coming through the air. And we're all just in this room having a grand old time because we needed a mask. The mask was there to protect us. Now, human beings have an incredible ability at inventing and designing We're really incredible at creating. We've come up with all kinds of masks and respiratory systems. We've come up with the ability to to have these respirators and gas masks. And firemen can go into burning buildings with oxygen and air being pumped into their lungs. But we're also very incredible at putting on a figurative mask to hide the fact that we are all broken and hurting individuals. We're very good at coming up with ways to avoid the fact uh, that we've been wounded uh, and we don't want anybody to know. And so we come up with a way to try to cover it. We come up with a way, uh, whether it's a physical mask or a a blank slate that we look at or a wall we build inside of our heart. uh, We've come up with ways to block off the outside world uh, because we're trying to protect uh, our self-image and our self-worth. We're trying to protect that area of ourselves that has been hurt and has been broken. Somewhere along the line, your trust was betrayed by somebody you loved. Somewhere along the line, you were hurt. And now it's so deep and it's so painful. It just seems more effective uh, to put the mask on, uh, to build the wall, uh, and to go forward with life like nothing is wrong. Uh, it seems like it would be more effective uh, to wall off that little area of your life, uh, not let anybody in that room and just try to pretend like it's never happened. But God is not interested in our masks, and he's not interested in our walls. He's not interested in a little piece of you uh, or a little corner of your heart. Uh, He's not interested in 95% of you, uh, except for that area you keep covered and won't let him touch. Uh, He wants every single part of your heart. Uh, He wants every single part of your life. Uh, He wants every single corner and every area of your mind. Because even though you may not believe it, 
And even though you may not understand it, uh, and even though you might be running from it, he loves the real you. See, the mask is about control. I'm trying to control what others see. I'm trying to control what others can touch. I'm, I'm trying to control what others can interact with in my life and the areas that I allow people into. This is not a 2020 phenomenon. Mankind has been masking ourselves from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, newly washed over with the guilt and the shame of sin, The human condition, never having felt it before, now suddenly feels guilt and shame. And so they hide themselves from God. And what do they do? They mask their nakedness. They find themselves anything they can. They hear God coming uh, and they realize I'm naked, uh, I'm broken, uh, and I'm wounded. And here he comes. uh, I've got to do something. And so they begin to pluck fig leaves off of the tree uh, and try to cover up what God already knew about them anyways. Let's cut right to the chase today. God went looking for them. Where are you, Adam? Where is my creation? Where is the one uh, that I want to commune with, that I want to talk with? uh, And God uh, is looking for each person under the sound of my voice today. uh, Because I would wager uh, there's a piece of our heart uh, where wounds have occurred. uh, There's a piece of our life uh, where there's still pain and there's guilt uh, and there's shame. uh, And we've heard it already today, the voice of God saying, uh, Where are you, Pastor Mark? Uh, Where are you? Where are you, Jared? Uh, Where are you, James? Uh, Where are you, Dave? Uh, I've come to talk with you. Their feeble attempt to cover their sins could not have possibly been enough. And our feeble attempt to cover up our mistakes is never going to be enough. And so God slew an animal and provided a covering for them. And as we try to navigate through this world, God has already provided something to cover you. God manifests himself in flesh, walked up a hill called Calvary, and provided his blood to be that eternal covering for all of our mistakes, all of our failures, every single one of our hurts, all of our pain. His blood is strong enough to mask you. His blood is strong enough uh, to wash away those things you don't want anybody to know about. Uh, His blood is strong enough to reach into uh, that dark corner and area of your life uh, that nobody's allowed to go to and touch. Proverbs chapter 27 and 19 says this, as in water face answereth to face, so the heart of man to man. The problem with masks is that after putting up that front for so long, we begin to believe that that is the true version of ourselves. You wear a mask long enough, you get used to looking at it in the mirror. You wear a mask long enough, you get used to interacting with people in masks. It's it's incredible the walls that a mask can be. It, It seems so simple. You just cover your face. And... 
All of this facial expression, rich features of conversation are now lost. This was driven home to me the other week. I was, I was going out to meet a patient at the clinic, and, and she, she said a joke, and I knew it was a joke, but she was worried that I wouldn't be able to perceive that she intended it as a joke because she followed it with, I'm smiling under my mask. And I said, don't worry, I am too. I'm enjoying it. We're worried about people being able to read us, except when we're putting that mask on on purpose. And we've looked at ourselves with that wall. Uh, We've looked at our face in the mirror so many times wearing the mask that we've forgotten what we were before. And then it begins to get down inside of our heart. The hurt that we're simply trying to avoid and the pain uh, that we don't want to address. We begin to embrace that as our own identity. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. Moses was protecting their eyes. But watch what happens. The people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil so that they do not understand. It went from their eyes to their mind to their heart. And they looked at themselves with that wall and that facade they had built for so long. And now they accepted it and believed it as their identity. But whenever, verse 16, someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is that spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his image. It's not just our hurts. It's the sins or maybe even the sins of others that have been done to us. Sometimes they go hand in hand, but somebody else's sins and hurts that have been pushed onto your life that you've now accepted as your identity. Jesus wants to lift that off of you today. Jesus wants to unmask you today. Uh, Jesus wants you to come into his presence uh, and take the mask off of your heart uh, and allow his love to begin to penetrate uh, every corner and every area of your life. And you can leave here today seeing and reflecting the glory of the Lord. So let's go back to the well. There's a little Samaritan woman That's coming to draw water at the wrong time of the day. It's inherently a social activity. Usually done in the morning. The women of the town would gather together and draw the water. And talk about the day's events. And talk about what was going on. It's social media before social media. Before technology. Except this woman is all alone. And she's coming in the heat of the day. Is hot. And she wants to be by herself. She doesn't want to talk to anybody about what's going on in her life. Maybe she's tried before, but it just doesn't seem like anybody understands. Except this time, 
There's a man there. And it's not just any man. It's a Jewish man in Samaria. And her mind is curious about this. And as she draws closer, he begins talking to her. Something that evidently takes her by surprise. And she says, why are you a Jew talking to me? And in John 4.10, Jesus answers and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was talking to you, you would say, give me something to drink and give me of that living water. Uh, If only we knew what was available every single time uh, we approached the throne of God, uh, we'd be asking him. But in his mercy, he came to us uh, and begins to ask us uh, in his mercy and his love. uh, Right now in this room, he's reaching for you. Uh, If we understood uh, what was there uh, and what was available, uh, we should run to him. We should fall at his feet. But in his mercy. He's asking for us. The woman says, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep with what? How are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well, who drank thereof himself, his children and his cattle? See, she's got a mask. She's not interested in conversation. She's not interested in reacting and, and allowing this man to begin to move into her life. But Jesus answers in verse 13 and says, whosoever drinks of This water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, she's interested. And she says in verse 15 to him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come hither to draw. She's interested, but the mask is still on. She's interested, but the walls are still built. She's interested in what God has available for her. uh, What this man in front of her is promising, uh, but she wants it on her own terms. Uh, She wants to get it uh, how she can get it. She wants it how uh, it's going to work for her. She wants it in a way that's not going to be uncomfortable. It's kind of like I want what the preacher's talking about. But I don't want to do what the preacher's saying. I want what the preacher's talking about and what the word of God is talking about. Uh, but I don't want to take off my mask. Uh, I don't want to tear down my walls. Uh, I don't want to be vulnerable and open uh, and, and risk abuse and hurt again. Now, Jesus, seeing her interest, goes straight at the problem. You see, he's coming after us. And I believe today he wants to go straight at some hearts. He wants to go straight at some minds in this house today. Uh, There's been a problem. There's been a wall built in a life. uh, And God wants to attack it uh, because he's sick and tired of his child. Uh, He's sick and tired of his creation. uh, Having a wall of separation built between him uh, and you. uh, And he wants every corner of your heart. So Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. If you could throw that picture up on the screen, there should be a picture in there. Maybe. Did the picture get in there? All right. Well, not not a problem. Imagine, if you will, let's close our eyes. And we're going to imagine. Imagine a blonde, physically fit, muscular, 
French bulldog named Rocco. Oh, hey, there it is. There he is. He's an old man now. He's 11. He's stinky. His teeth are rotting. And he sleeps like 22 hours a day. But there he was in the prime of his life. He was living large, man. He was in charge. And I don't know if there's one more picture, but there was a close-up of his foot. One day as he was simply running around the house, he has dew claws on his leg. And his claw caught on a piece of furniture. And it ripped the entire outer portion of his claw off. And the only thing left is the quick. We've heard the phrase cut to the quick. It's, it's the, the nerve endings and the blood vessels in the dog's, dog's claws. If you clip them too short, you can hit those blood vessels. And my buddy is now hurting and limping around and running around. And so I went to him to see what was wrong, to see what was going on. As a concerned master, I went to my buddy Rocco and I said, buddy, come here, let me see what's going on. Uh, And wouldn't you know it in his pain and in his hurt of this throbbing thumbnail, it's basically like having your, your fingernail ripped off of your finger. He lashed out at me and he tried to bite me. He reached for the master and he tried to bite me. And what was hurting him, he kept pulling up to himself. uh, And he wouldn't let me get close. I was just trying to help him. Uh, I'm just trying to take care of the issue. I'm I'm just trying to access the point of pain. Uh, I'm just trying to, to look. I see the problem. I know what's wrong. I'm not a dog. I've got human intelligence. I'm just trying to reach it. And here's God uh, in his love uh, and in his mercy, uh, in his in His grace, he's reaching towards us. Uh, it's why people fight when the love of God is preached. Uh, it's why there's a wall of resistance in your heart uh, when the love of God flows into a place. Uh, because it hurts uh, and you don't want anybody to touch it. Uh, you don't want anybody coming near it. Uh, you don't want anybody to interact with it. It's too painful. It's why people push against God, uh, reaching for them in love. But the woman answers and says, I don't have a husband. And this is the moment that everything changes in her life. This is the moment where the mask comes off, where the walls come down, uh, because it's a moment of radical honesty. Uh, You can never uh, progress closer to God uh, when you've got a wall of separation, uh, when you won't be honest with yourself, uh, when your mind is deceived about what you're actually thinking uh, and how you actually look to God. She says, I don't I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, You're true. You're right. You have well said you don't have a husband for you have five husbands and he who you now have is not even your husband. And that you said truly. And so now this woman is looking at somebody who has just read her mail and she says, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet and that mask and that wall that was coming down. She tries to avoid the super painful conversation one more time. He says, our fathers worship here and you say we're supposed to worship over there. And and what's going on with that? But Jesus, in his love and his mercy, is focused like a laser on the heart of his target. 
Just like right now, uh, under the sound of my voice, uh, the love of God is reaching for a target. Uh, the love of God is working on a heart. Uh, and you're covering it up right now. Uh, and you're holding back right now. Uh, but inside you can feel the love of Jesus reaching for you. And Jesus begins to reveal He says, woman, believe me, the hour cometh and now is uh, where you're not going to worship in this mountain. You're not going to worship at Jerusalem. Uh, You don't even know what you worship. We we the Jews know what we worship for. We worship uh, the salvation is of the Jews. And now Jesus begins to reveal deeper truth to this lady. He says, the hour uh, cometh and now is where true worshipers are going to worship the father and spirit and the truth for the father is seeking worshipers. And now. Says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. As that mask begins to come off of her face, and that wall of resistance begins to come down in her heart, God begins to reveal himself to this woman. And the woman says unto him, and I can, I can picture it as the words of Jesus Christ are bouncing around inside of her brain and revelation is starting to come and something clicks in her brain and a light goes on in her eye and she says, I know that when he comes, when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes, which is called Christ, he's going to tell us all things. Because inside of her mind, uh, as that mask comes down and she sees herself and God reaches for her, something begins to stir and she begins to realize, am I uh, talking to the one? Am I talking to him right now? And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. It was the very first time these words had come out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. He chose to reveal himself to a broken Samaritan woman by a well with no crowd uh, and nobody around, uh, but God in his love and his mercy, uh, seeking to reconcile his hurting creation with himself, uh, reached out to her. He had to go to Samaria because he had to reach her. He he had to go to that well uh, because his creation was hurting. Uh, his creation was wounded and he had to reconcile it. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, uh, as you break down uh, those walls today, uh, as you take off that mask, uh, I'm telling you in all the confidence of the Lord, uh, God will begin to reveal himself to you uh, like never before. Uh, God will begin to show himself alive uh, and powerful in your life. Uh, Things uh, that you've never understood, uh, God will begin to reveal. Uh, Hurts that you've never been able to work past, uh, God uh, will begin to soothe. Let's clap our hands to the Lord together. And it's at this time that the disciples show up. Thankfully, none of them were silly enough to begin to interact or interfere with the work that God was doing. And the woman leaves her water pot. She goes her way into the city and saith to the man, come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? 
It's evidence of a completely transformed heart and mind. The woman who avoided all human contact because she never wanted to talk about her past now ran into the city saying, hey, everybody, uh, he just told me about my past. Uh, Is it possible tonight uh, that the thing you've walled off and masked up uh, could become the greatest testimony of your life? Uh, The hurt that you've kept everybody else out of uh, could become the greatest area of ministry uh, when you allow Jesus. Jesus Christ uh, to step into your past uh, and to minister to you today. It will become your greatest testimony. Let's stand together in this place. Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord right now? Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices in this place. Uh, God is here uh, and he's wanting to work on somebody's heart. He's he's here right now and he wants to move in this place. Uh, I love you, Jesus. Uh, I'm searching after you, God. I want you. Uh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I could get somebody to come to the piano. I know I didn't coordinate that with anybody ahead of time, but if I don't need a fancy song or anything like that. But if somebody would be willing to come and play. This is where I felt the Lord direct us to go this morning. In Luke chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 26, The Bible recounts of the two times that Jesus is anointed with ointment from an alabaster box. The striking thing about this time frame is it's when both times when somebody begins to anoint Jesus, somebody gets upset. Masked men despise the liberty that a broken person has in the presence of Jesus. It's no wonder if you're in this place and you see people worshiping freely and enjoying the presence of God. Don't wonder for a second why you look at them and there's contempt and there's hurt. It's it's no wonder because masked men can't stand the fact that this broken person is so free to worship God and they, they want to be like that. But they don't dare deal with this. And so God, in Luke chapter 7, it's in the home of Simon the Pharisee. And of course, we love to rag on the Pharisees. We sing Sunday school songs about them. Jesus railed on them. So we feel righteous. And he thinks in his mind, man, if Jesus knew what a sinner this lady was, who is crying on the feet, she is washing the feet of Jesus with her tears. She's drying them with her hair. How humiliating. Simon hadn't done anything for Jesus. He'd invited him over, sure, but he didn't wash his feet. He didn't give him a back rub. He didn't anoint his head with oil. He didn't greet him with a kiss. Jesus was simply supposed to be happy to be at Simon's house. Simon's mind was that Jesus should just feel good to be invited to my house. He he should feel good to be eating my bread. 
And Jesus tells him that of whom much is forgiven, there is going to be much love poured out. He says, Simon, Simon, I've got ought against you. In Matthew chapter 26, they're now in Simon the leper's house who Jesus has healed. And a woman, sensing the time was short and that Jesus was about to be executed, walks in with a valuable alabaster box and breaks it over his head. And the Bible says that Jesus' disciples, his closest twelve, were indignant because this wasn't given to the poor. Once again, I submit to you, it is not about the poor at all, as Jesus quickly dealt with and dispatched. Uh, It was about the condition of their heart. Uh, They had still walls between them uh, and Jesus, though they walked with him in close proximity, uh, though they knew the voice of Jesus better than anybody else, though they knew what his snoring sounded like at night. uh, They knew whether Jesus smacked his food when he ate, but there was still uh, a mask in place. And masked men will always despise a broken person who has liberty in the presence of Jesus. Evidently, they were about to intervene because Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And I ask you, as somebody that has wept this week repeatedly, We intellectually identify with those women. We read the stories and we say, well, yeah, obviously that woman's right. She's right to go weep on the feet of Jesus and wash his feet with her tears. She's right. He's about to be crucified. Break that alabaster over his head. Do it. But when is the last time you allowed Jesus to break open your heart? When was the last time that you wept openly and unashamedly, not worried about what others were thinking? When is the last time you uh, were the one uh, that walked into a room full of masked people uh, and you were the one that knelt at the feet of Jesus? Uh, You were the one that said, Jesus, uh, you're my savior. uh, You're my healer. uh, You're my redeemer. When's the last time uh, you were willing to face the mocking of the crowd uh, as men and women with walls built begin to look at you differently? Because you're broken. And so under the sound of my voice today, I know uh, and I am convinced uh, and I'm concerned. uh, We are more masked uh, as a people than we like to admit. Uh, We're more walled off from the presence of God uh, than we would like to admit. Uh, Oh, it's easy to look at this person uh, or that person. uh, But why? uh, Why will we not allow God to fully access our emotions? Uh, Why will we not allow God uh, to dig in? into that deepest part of ourselves. Uh, These altars are open. I would uh, that everybody would come uh, as the piano begins to play. Uh, Come on, uh, my friend, if there's an area of your heart uh, that you've been keeping from him, uh, he's reaching for you today. Uh, If there's an area of your past uh, that you've been holding back, uh, he's reaching for you. Uh, Won't you come? Uh, He's not going to hurt you. Uh, He's not going to despise.